50 seconds. Your battle where you're sitting and give God a great praise. Come on, if he's been good to you, somebody praise him according to his excellent greatness. Somebody praise him for his mighty acts. Excuse me a moment while I give him a great praise. What it's done for me When I think about Jesus How he takes every free To dance, 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 dance I can dance, 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 dance I can dance, dance, dance. Hey, all night, 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 Think about Jesus, how his name brought you through. And run, 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 run. I can run, 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 run. I can run, run, run. that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness spiritual wickedness in how many of you understand that this morning what I want to know is do you have a revelation that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through If you know your praise is a weapon, uh, somebody shout yes! Come on, if you know your praise is a weapon, uh, somebody shout yes! And let's do it like this, my dance. Uh, we'll cross stages uh, under my feet and I decay. What you say? Let me hear you say Would you dance with me? Would you dance? 
with me? Would you, would you, would you? Would you dance with me? Would you dance with me? Hey, I got victory. this morning come on tell them tell them I got victory this morning if you don't have victory this morning I got a promise from God for you victory is already yours I just need about a hundred people in the building that believe that this morning uh, that the fight is fixed 
Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning? What, what a wonderful presence of the Lord has already met us here in this sanctuary. And I can't think of a better place to be on the 4th of July than in the house of God. Amen. Amen. And uh, thankful for what we feel in this sanctuary. I want to take just a brief moment to again say welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church? Put your hands together. Come on, help me make some Holy Ghost crazy noise and welcome all of our guests that are in the building this morning. Come on. We want you to know what a privilege and an honor it is for us to have you here in the house of the Lord. If you are here for the very first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you walked in the building. That is an invitation for you to join us in our VIP room immediately following the service. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you as our guest of honor today, just a token of our appreciation that you would take time out of your morning and come and worship the Lord with us. And uh, we want you to feel at home today. We have a little policy around here that we demand of our first-time guests. And I know it's rude to have policies for guests, but our policy is simply this, that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home with us. Amen, Rock Church. Would you do me a favor, make a 360-degree turn around you and tell everybody around you, welcome home this morning. Come on, find everybody sitting around you. Tell them, welcome home, welcome home. They're in front of you, behind you. Don't leave anybody untouched. Tell them, welcome home. Amen. We're so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord. It's wonderful to have, I believe I'm saying it right, the Dufresne family here with us all the way from Columbia, Tennessee. Honored to have this awesome couple with us. God bless you so much. Amen. And then uh, so good to have the Fluid family with us all the way from Durham, North Carolina. As John P. Key would say, outside the county line. Hallelujah. But we're grateful to have them in the house of the Lord with us as well today. And uh, I'm grateful for what we feel in this place. Amen. I hope y'all came ready to preach with the preacher today. Pastor Hammond got up and was talking uh, at the opening of the service this morning. And when he started talking, I said, oh, my God. We are in the vein of the Holy Ghost. I woke up this morning, Brother Donnelly, with one word on my spirit. One word, and I'm going to preach about it this morning. Stand with me, if you would, all across this sanctuary and grab your Bibles. I'm going to invite you to the word of the Lord. While you're grabbing your Bibles, let me remind you, tonight is going to be an incredible, incredible time in the Holy Ghost. You don't want to miss it. Amen. We're going to come together Normal time, church will start at 6.30. We're going to have church, praise, worship, preaching. People are going to get the Holy Ghost. Waters of baptism are going to be stirred tonight. Amen. And then when we finish, we're going to go outside on the campus and we're going to party. Party. Ain't, listen, ain't nobody knows how to party like God's people know how to party. Yeah. When you can stay sober and you got all your faculties the whole night. Hey 
Amen. We don't need no weed. We got the most high. I wish I had some help up in here. Yeah. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. And we're going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost tonight. We're going to bring food and fireworks and uh, just grab Grab, grab your favorite re relaxing chair if you've got one. If not, come anyway. We'll figure it out. And uh, it's going to be a great time. We're going to light fireworks and hang out together. And, and also, we welcome everyone to come dressed casual tonight. We want you to be able to leave the service, go right outside, and not worry about anything. We only do that a couple of times per year. And uh, so I wore a bow tie this morning to make up for dressing casual tonight. <laughs> Amen. But we invite you to come casual. It's going to be a great time. And then I've got a special, special surprise for you tonight that you're just going to have to be here to see. So you don't want to miss that. Amen. Book of Philippians chapter 2 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me tonight. Or this morning, rather. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> I want to begin reading verse number 9. When you have it, somebody shout amen. It says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is Lord uh, to the glory of God uh, the Father. Woo! And for a few moments this morning, I want you to catch this complex title. I simply want to preach Jesus. I can't think of a better subject to preach about. Uh, I just want to preach Jesus. Somebody take about 30 seconds right now uh, and lift your voice uh, to the only name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we. Something happens when I call that name. Something happens. Y'all act like you came to have church this morning. Something happens when I shout that name. All of heaven has to listen when I call that name. All of hell has to listen. Behave yourself. Hallelujah. You can be, you can be seated. You can be seated. Or, or you can keep shouting if you want to. I don't care. Run the aisles. Tell your neighbor, Jesus. Now, let me begin this morning by saying that it is imperative that we have a revelation of the power of names. Names are extremely 
important. As a matter of fact, when two people get married, the very first thing that the man gives the wife in marriage is his name. It is significant because it means that you now belong to me. You see, when I was in high school many, many years ago, back when horse and buggies were here, no, not quite, but they used to have this thing in the high school I went to. I, I didn't grow up in, in church. I went to a public high school. They had these things called letter jackets. Anybody remember that? And your letter jacket had your last name on the back of it. And it was popular that when you and a girl started dating, that she would wear your letter jacket. Why? Because it had your name on the back of it. And that told everybody else, that's my girl. She belongs, she's carrying my name. And if we're the people of God, we have to have a proper revelation of his name. We're a people uh, of the name of God. The first thing God gives us uh, when we're born into the kingdom of God is his name. Turn around and tell somebody I'm Jesus' name. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Second Chronicles, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, he loves it when they say, there goes those Jesus people. There goes those Jesus people. Somebody said, they, you, you must be Jesus only. I said, no, I'm not Jesus only. I'm Jesus everything. I'm not Jesus only. I'm Jesus everything. Oh, Jesus is just your crutch. No, he's not my crutch. He's my wheelchair. He's my bed. He's the only way. He's the breath in my body. He's not my crutch. He is my everything. And, and it's important to understand that there is there's power in that name. Ah, there is authority that is in that name. Two words used for the word power in Scripture is exousia and dunamis. Exousia is authority. Dunamis is raw power. It's the same root that we get the word dynamite from. And as a matter of fact, Jesus declares in Matthew 28 and 18, he said that all power in heaven and in earth belongs to me. All authority is in that name. More authority than the IRS. More authority than the state trooper. More authority than the police department. More authority than the United States. There is authority. There is exousia in that name. And there is dunamis 
in that name. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said, ye shall receive power, dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And we know that there is salvation in that name. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that neither is there salvation in any other. Am I in the right church this morning? For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's by the authority of that name that you can experience salvation. And in order to understand the name of God, we must first understand how he has revealed himself to humanity. You understand that in scripture, names were not given just because they sounded good. I crack up at some of the names kids have. Oh, she's so beautiful. What's her, her name? Bone Quisha. Okay. How beautiful. What is, you see, how many of y'all thank God for parents who have wisdom? I'll tell you a funny story. When first lady was born, somebody in her family, I ain't going to say no names like her mom. <clears throat> Grandma, I'm sorry. Grandma ain't even alive no more. Bless her heart. But somehow, someway, Grandma was dubbed with the responsibility of naming her. And Grandma said, hmm, I got the perfect name. We're going to name her Petunia. <laughs> now, while my wife is as beautiful as a flower... Petunia just don't do it justice. They would have to invent a new flower with a new name to communicate the beauty. <laughs> but thank God for a daddy who stepped in and said, oh, no, 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 no. We ain't going to name her Petunia. Her name's going to be called Barbara. And I'm not even going to get into the meaning of her name. You can look it up when you get home. But names in the Bible often describe their physical characteristics or, or their personality. Or sometimes their name held a historical significance of that child. Or oftentimes the name was a prophetic utterance concerning the destiny of that child. For example, the, the name Abraham means the father of a multitude. And we understand and we teach our kids the song, Father Abraham had many sons. He became the father of many nations. The name Moses means to be drawn out. Moses was drawn out of a river. He was drawn out of his people. He was drawn out to be used by God. The name Saul means asked for or requested. 
We know that when Saul became king, it was because the people requested a king like the other nations. God changes Simon's name to Peter, where we get the word Petra, which means a rock. And coincidentally, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was tied to the revelation of Jesus Christ. The name Paul, the apostle Paul, his name means little in stature and most historians believe that he was a man that was in fact small in stature and then of course you have Jacob whose name means supplanter or heel grabber. His name came from his mother whom witnessed him at his birth holding on to the heel of his brother. But there was a change in his destiny when he wrestles with God at the forge of Baca. And God says, Thou shalt be called Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God. And you can't be what I want you to be and have the wrong name. I'm going to read name you uh, to Israel and, and, and so there, there is significance to names in the Bible and then of course you have uh, Benoni who was named by Rachel and she said uh, I gave pain and I, I, I was experiencing death uh, in my birth to my son and Benoni means the son of my pain but thank God for a daddy who said my son's not going to live the rest of his life as a reminder uh, of pain so his name will not be Benoni but Benjamin uh, the son of my right hand uh, and there was a prophetic utterance given to him uh, by his name and then of course you have uh, Joseph who names his son Manasseh and Manasseh means that God made me to forget the troubles uh, of my father's house. Uh, every time he looked at his son, uh, he remembered that God brought me out uh, of all of my dilemmas. And so it is through the name of God that he reveals himself to us. And it is important to understand, is this all right if we just have Bible class for a few moments? It is important to understand that right in the middle uh, of this historical journey of humanity, which you and I are a part of today, uh, is the single most important uh, chirological event in the kingdom of God. The pinpoint place where there is the apex of revelation of God revealing himself to humanity and that is the crucifixion. The crucifixion. It was the place. It was the moment in time where God truly reveals his purpose to mankind. You understand that across the chronological timeline of mankind comes the chirological intersection of God into humanity. You understand the difference between Kronos and Kairos. Kronos speaks to the timeline of man. Kairos speaks to the perfect timing of 
of God. And the two do, all, do not always coincide. For God, his ways are higher than our ways and above our ways. And so there are moments when the kairos of God intersects the chronos or the chronology of mankind. And we experience the revelation of Jesus' purpose. So it is at the crucifixion that there is a chirological explosion of God's purpose into the earth realm. I'm going somewhere. This is important to understand because Calvary was so significant that the whole Old Testament points forward to Calvary. And the entire New Testament looks backward at Calvary. It is the essence of the gospel message. What is the gospel? It is the good news. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've got to get this in your spirit. And I, I love this because it is so powerful that the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus literally resets the chronos of man's timeline. The way that mankind even records history is based off of the birth of Jesus Christ. I love this because when I meet an atheist uh, or an agnostic uh, and we begin to discuss history, I said, what year was that again? 800 what? B.C. What, what, what was, what's B.C.? I make them say it. 800 years before Christ. I thought you didn't believe in him. Uh, well, 800 years B.C. Or, or, or A.D. And A.D. stands for Anno Domini, which is Latin for the year of our Lord. And B.C. tracks any time that is before the birth of Christ. And A.D. tracks any years subsequent uh, to the birth of Christ. But it is at this moment uh, in our history, in our existence as mankind, uh, that the real revelation uh, of who Jesus is uh, begins to become clear. Unto us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, renders it like this Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Listen, who hath reconciled us to himself? Self, uh, by Jesus uh, Christ. We begin to see uh, the revelation of the purpose of God uh, is to reconcile us uh, unto himself uh, and hath given to us uh, the ministry of reconciliation uh, to it that God uh, was in Christ. 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. From the beginning of time, God begins to reveal himself to us as a redeemer, as a reconciler. All the way back in Genesis chapter number 3, uh, when Adam and Eve uh, uh, disobey God and they sin, uh, it is by the skin and the blood and the death uh, of an animal, Brother Donnelly, uh, that atonement uh, or covering is made for their sin. He wanted them to know uh, from the very beginning, uh, I already have a purpose uh, and a plan for humanity's failure, and it requires death and it requires blood to cover the disobedience and the sin of mankind. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 tells us and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. That's an interesting phrase. It's only three found one other time uh, in the scripture, Acts chapter 2 uh, and verse number 38. Tell your neighbor, remission uh, of sins. And so there is, are you with me? That was my introduction. Now I want to start preaching. And so there is a progression of revelation of his name. And you have to understand that in the Hebrew language, in ancient Hebrew language, they used what we know as tetragrams. Tetragrams are a word written with four letters in the Hebrew alphabetic writing system. And the tetragrammaton was the word that the Hebrew people used for their God. It was the four-letter word that was the word they used for the name of their God. And in the original Hebrew, the characters, if you read them right to left, is Yarche Vavhe which originally written in our alphabet uh, uh, was written as Y-H-W-H. And then they were Latinized into J-H-V-H. And then consonants were added for the sake of pronunciation, which is where we get the word or the term Jehovah. Tell your neighbor Jehovah. I'm preaching to you the origin of the real Jehovah's Witnesses. No, 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 no. Don't get confused and start saying, I thought I came to a Christian church. 
We are the real Jehovah's Witnesses. But you got to listen to the rest of the sermon to understand what I'm talking about. And so this tetragrammation, this expression, this word of God, uh, Jehovah, they would take this tetragram and they would attach the action of God uh, to the identity of God uh, in order to somehow uh, have a better understanding of who he was. And so by this process, uh, we get what we call Jehovistic uh, compounds. These are words, compound words that take uh, the word of the name Jehovah and attach them to the action of God. And a quick summary or review of some of these Jehovistic compounds begins to help us see the unfolding of the revelation of who God is. Each of these Jehovistic compound names were used to show some specific example of God revealing himself to humanity. For example, when promising Israel freedom from diseases in the book of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, he was Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. And then he was to David uh, in Psalm 23, uh, Jehovah Rohi, uh, or the Lord, uh, my shepherd. In Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13, he was Jehovah Makedeshim, the Lord thy sanctifier. In Ezekiel 48 and 35, he was Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that is present. In Jeremiah 23 and 6, he was Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. And then in Genesis 22 and 13, he is Jehovah Jireh, the very first Jehovistic compound. The Lord, our provider. In Exodus 17 and 15, he was Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. In Judges chapter 6, he was Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is our peace. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, he was Jehovah Shabbat, the Lord of hosts. There is a progression of revelation that happens. God unveiling his identity to mankind. And then if you study the scripture, you will find that over 250 times in the Bible, the word God is translated from the original word El, from which we have what are known as Eloistic compounds, again revealing to us who our God is. And so in Genesis 14 and 17, in Isaiah 14, he is El Elyon, the Most High God. In Genesis 16 and 13, he is El Roy. The strong one who sees. In Genesis 17 and in Psalm 91, he is El 
Shaddai, the God of the mountains, or God Almighty, the sustaining one. Isaiah chapter 40, he is El Olam, the everlasting God. Are you understanding what is coming out of my mouth this morning? And so as we continue uh, to study the scripture, uh, there is a revelation uh, of who God is. Uh, and the more you unfold it, uh, the larger it becomes. Uh, and the more you learn about him, uh, the more you learn you don't know about him. Uh, and the bigger you think he is, uh, he becomes bigger than that. Uh, and just when you think uh, you've got it all figured out, uh, he unfolds another branch over here. Uh, and he opens another door of revelation. Uh, over here uh, and he lifts another ceiling uh, of understanding uh, and as you begin to read through the scripture uh, your mind begins to expand uh, with the revelation uh, of who he is uh, Romans 8 15 uh, he's Abba 1st John 2 and 1 uh, he's the advocate uh, Genesis 17 and 1 he's the almighty uh, Revelation 22 and 13 uh, he's Alpha uh, Revelation 3 and 14 uh, he's Amen Daniel 7 and 9. He's the ancient of days. Psalm 2 and 2. He's the anointed one. Psalm 3 and 1 calls him an apostle. Isaiah 53 and 1. He is the arm of God. Acts 3 and 15. He is the author of life. Hebrews 12 and 12. He is the author of our faith. Revelation 21 and 6. He is the beginning. 1 Timothy 6 15. He He's the blessed and holy ruler. Uh, Jeremiah 33 and 15. Uh, he is a branch. Uh, John 6 and 33. Uh, he's the bread of God. Uh, John 6 and 35. Uh, he's the bread of life. Uh, Isaiah 62 and 56. Uh, he's the bridegroom. Uh, Revelation 22 and 16. Uh, he's the bright uh, and morning star. Uh, 1 Peter 5 and 4. He's the chief shepherd. Uh, Isaiah 42 and 1. He's the chosen one. Uh, Matthew 22 42. Uh, he is Christ. Uh, Luke 9 and 20. Uh, he's Christ uh, of God. Uh, Luke 2 and 11. Uh, he's Christ uh, the Lord. Uh, Matthew 16 16. Uh, he's Christ uh, son of the living God. Uh, John 14 26. Uh, he is the comforter. Uh, Matthew 55 and 4. Uh, he's commander. Uh, Luke 2 and 25. Uh, he is the consolation uh, of Israel. Uh, Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 4 and 24, uh, Hebrews 12, 29. Uh, he is a consuming uh, fire. Uh, Isaiah 28, 16. Uh, he's the cornerstone. Uh, Isaiah 9 and 6. Uh, he's the counselor. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 19. Uh, he's a creator. Uh, Romans 11, 26. Uh, he's a deliverer. Uh, Haggai, uh, he is desired of all nations. Uh, John 10 and 7. Uh, he is the door. Uh, Revelation 21 and 6. He is the end. Deuteronomy 33, 27. He's the eternal God. Isaiah 9 and 6. He is the everlasting Father. Revelation 19, 11. He is faithful and true. Revelation 1 and 5. He is a faithful witness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 
29. He is the Father. Romans 8 and 29. Revelation 1. Colossians number 1. He is the firstborn. 1 Corinthians 15. He is the firstfruits. 1 Corinthians 3. He is the foundation. Matthew 11. He is the friend of tax collectors and sinners. 1 Kings 19. He is a gentle whisperer. John 4 and 10. He is the gift of God. Isaiah 40 and 5. He is the glory of God. Genesis 1 and 1. He is God. Genesis 17 and 1. He is God Almighty. Romans 9 and 5. He is God over all. Genesis 16, 13. He is the God who sees me. John 10 and 11. He is the good shepherd. Hebrews chapter 4. He is the great high priest. Hebrews 13 and 20. He's the good shepherd. Psalm 48, 14. He is a guide. Colossians 1 and 18. He is the head of the body. Ephesians 5, 23. He is the head of the church. Hebrews 1 and 2. He's heir of all things. Hebrews 3 and 1. He is the high priest. Hebrews 6 and 20. He's the high priest forever. Acts 2 and 7. He is the Holy One. Isaiah, I need my glasses. Chapter 49 and verse number 7. He is the Holy One of Israel. John 16, 28. He is the Holy Spirit. Titus 2, 13. He is hope. Luke 1, 69. He is the horn of salvation. Exodus 3 and John 8. He said, I am. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. He is the image of God. Hebrews 1 and 3. He is the image of his person. Isaiah 7 and 14, he is Emmanuel. Exodus 34, 14, he is jealous. Psalm 30, 83 and 18, he is Jehovah. Matthew 1 and 21, he is Jesus. Romans 6 and 23, he's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans or Isaiah 33, 22, Acts chapter 10, he is a judge. Zechariah 9 and 9, he's the king. 1 Timothy 1 and 17, he's king eternal. 1 Timothy 6, 15, he's king of kings. Revelation 15 and 3, he's king of the ages. John 1, 29, he's the lamb of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, he is the last Adam. Isaiah 33, 22, he is the lawgiver. Isaiah 54 uh, and 55 and 4. Uh, he is the leader. Are you writing these down? Uh, John 14 and 6. Uh, he is life. Uh, John 8 and 12. Uh, he's the light of the world. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 and 11. Uh, he is like an eagle. Uh, Song of Solomon 2 and 1. Uh, calls him the lily of the valleys. Uh, Revelation 5 and 5. Uh, he is the lion uh, of the tribe.
tribe of Judah. First Peter 2 and 4, he is the living stone. John 4 and 10, he's the living water. John 13 and 13, he is Lord. Revelation 15 and 3, he's Lord God Almighty. First Corinthians 15, 57, he's Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 36, he's Lord of all. First Corinthians 2 and 8, he's Lord of glory. And First Timothy 6, 15, he is Lord of lords. Jeremiah 23 and 6, he is Lord of our righteousness. First John 4 and 8, he is love. Isaiah 53 and 3, he is a man of sorrows. Luke 5 and 5, he is our master. First Timothy 2 and 5, he is a mediator. Jeremiah 3 and 12, he's a merciful God. Malachi 3 and 1, he is messenger of the covenant. John 4, 25, he is Messiah. Isaiah 9 and 6, he is the mighty God. Isaiah 60 and 16, he is the mighty one. Are you with me this morning? Revelation 22, 16. He's the offspring of David. Revelation 22, 13. He's Omega. John 1 and 18. He's the only begotten son. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. He's our Passover lamb. Ephesians 2 and 14. He is our peace. Isaiah 64 and 8. He is the potter. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. He's the power of God. Isaiah 9 and 6. He is the prince of peace. Acts 3 and 22, he is called a prophet. Malachi 3 and 3, he is a purifier. John 20 and 16, he is Rabboni. Hebrews 1 and 3, he is the radiance of God's glory. Job 19, 25, he is a redeemer. Malachi 3 and 2, he is the refiner's fire. John 11, 25, he is is the resurrection. First John 2 and 1. He is the righteous one. First Corinthians 10 and 4. He is the rock. Revelation 22, 16. He is the root of David. Song of Solomon 2 and 1. He's the rose of Sharon. Revelation 3, 14. He's the ruler of God's creation. Revelation 1 and 5. He's ruler over the kings of the earth. Micah 5 and 2. He's ruler over Israel. Luke 2, 11. He is our savior. Numbers 24, 17. He is the scepter out of Israel. Bring me another mic. Genesis 315. He is the seed. Isaiah 42 and 1. He is the servant. 1 Peter 225. He is the shepherd of our souls. Genesis 15 and 1. He is the shield. Matthew 1 and 1. He is the son of David. That sounds better. Matthew 2754. He is the son of God. Matthew 8 and 20. He's the son of man. Luke 1 and 32. He 
He's the son of the most high. Hebrews 5 and 9, he is our source. Genesis 1 and 2, he is the spirit of God. Numbers 25, 17, he's the star out of Jacob. 1 Peter 2 and 8, he is the stone. Malachi 4 and 2, he is the son of righteousness. John 3 or 13, 13, he is a teacher. John 1 and 9 calls him the true light. Revelation 3, 14, he is a true witness. John 14 and 16, he is the truth. John 15 and 5, he is the vine. John 14 and 5, he is the way. 1 Corinthians 1, 24, he is the wisdom of God. Isaiah 55 and 4, he is a witness. Isaiah 9 and 6 calls him wonderful. John 1 and 1 declares he is the word. And Revelation 19 and 13, he is the word of God. We know his name. His name is I wish you would shout like you know he's your kinsman redeemer. I wish you'd shout like you knew he's the rose of Sharon. I wish you'd shout like you knew he was the lamb slain from the foundation. I wish you would shout like you knew he's the lion of Judah. I wish you would shout like you know he's alpha. Shout like you know he's omega. Shout if you know he's your beginning and the ending. Shout if you know that he's the first and the last. Shout if you know that he's the author. See, that's the problem with baptizing people in the titles of God. Because where does it stop? If you're going to baptize them in the name of the, in the title Father and Son and Holy Ghost, you might as well do it under Comforter, Prince of Peace, Counselor. Come on, somebody friend that sticketh closer than any brother there's a progressive revelation of his name that begins to come to us until finally the prophecy is declared in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 it says for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name. His name was not given to him by his mama. His name was not given by his daddy. It wasn't Uncle Ben or Aunt Tootie or Cousin Nim that gave him his name. But the Bible says that he by inheritance, he got his name straight 
from the heavenlies. When the prophet Isaiah opened up his mouth, he was uttering the identity of the only true and wise God. Oh, yeah. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Oh, yeah, I got a problem right there with Trinitarianism. Hallelujah, if this baby boy is going to be God, then we have the problem with the father having to have a subservient role to his son who became God. That's why Trinitarianism doesn't make any sense. But when you understand that Jesus is the father and Jesus is the son and Jesus is the Holy Ghost then the revelation of scripture begins to make sense of the increase of this government and peace there shall be no end and upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth uh, even uh, forever the prophecy came in the book of Isaiah but all of the sudden in the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 it said but while he thought on these things behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying Joseph thou son of David fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife for that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost now hold on a second if there's a such thing as God the Father then we have a problem here because the father wasn't the real baby daddy. The Bible said the Holy Ghost conceived the child. That would mean that Jesus has two fathers. Is it the Holy Ghost or is it God the Father? I'm glad I got a revelation that they're one and the same. I know Jesus is the Father. I know Jesus is I know Jesus is the Holy Ghost uh, and thank God uh, he is one <laughs> and she shall bring forth uh, a son uh, and thou shalt call his name somebody shall name uh, shalt name thou shalt call his name uh, Jesus why are we going to call him Jesus uh, here's a peek into the revelation of his name we're going to call him Jesus uh, for he shall uh, save his people uh, from their sins you see his name is not just a pretty name but his name 
has prophecy in it. His name has revelation in it. You're going to call him Jesus because of what he's going to do. You're going to call him Jesus because of where he came from. You're going to call him Jesus. You see, Jesus is the same as the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua. And you have to understand that Yeshua, Joshua, is just a progressive revelation of the name of God. Joshua, Jeshua, comes from J-E, which comes from Jehovah. It is simply the concentration of a Jehovistic compound. The J-E stands for Jehovah. The S-U-S or the Yeshua means God is salvation. Yeshua or Joshua simply means that Jehovah has become our salvation when you say the name Jesus all you're declaring is the greatest revelation of who God is his reconciliation of mankind under for this cause came I into the world to reconcile when you say Jesus you're declaring the greatest revelation of who he is. He's God, my Savior. I'm glad he's Jehovah Jireh. I'm glad he's Jehovah Rophi. I'm glad, glad he's Jehovah Shammah. But most of all, I'm glad he's Jehovah, my Savior. His name is... about Joshua there is a hidden revelation of the Jehovah'stic compound Jesus and we could preach all kind of things because Moses could only go so far but if you're going to get to the promised land you got to have Jesus they couldn't go into the promised land without Joshua only Joshua could take him there you have to have Jesus and so this apex of revelation of who God is begins to unfold as the New Testament opens up John chapter 1 verse number 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him remember that all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not verse 6 says 
there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness uh, to bear witness of the light uh, that all men through him uh, might believe. Uh, he was not that light, uh, but was sent to bear witness uh, of that light. Uh, that was the true light uh, which lighteth every man uh, that cometh into uh, the world. Uh, he was in the world, uh, and the world knew him not. Uh, he came unto his own uh, and his own received him not. But as many as have received him, to them, to them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even, even to them that believe on his name. which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, and dwelt, nor of the will of man. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word, became flesh God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth Verse 15 says, and John bear witness of him. And if you flip over a little bit, verse 29, as John introduces God manifest in the flesh, he introduces him as a God of salvation. John 1 and 29, it said, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Hebrews 9 said, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Genesis 3, it was the blood covering Adam and Eve with the coat, the skins of animals. And when John sees Jesus coming, he said he's a lamb that comes to take away the sin of the world. Listen, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me for he was before me. Now that's an interesting testimony of John because most theologians and historians believe that John the Baptist was at least six months older than Jesus was. Yet his testimony is, this is he that came 
before me. He wasn't talking about Kronos. He was talking about Kairos. He wasn't just talking about the man Christ Jesus. He was proclaiming that this is the ancient of days. And while he's the ancient of days, he's a little baby in a manger. And he's standing here as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world who has come to take away the sin of the world. None of these Jehovistic compound names gave the full and complete characteristics of Jehovah as Redeemer. But rather, each one showed an isolated example of his helping power extended to man. However, in the name and the life of Jesus, all of the Jehovistic combinations are culminated and revealed. And he fulfilled all aspects of God revealed as the Redeemer. Hence, the name Jesus, Jehovah, has become our salvation. Jesus is in every sense of the word the full revelation of Jehovah Elohim the Lord our God he is the fulfillment of the revelation of God to man in actions in name and in bodily presence y'all with me Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 through 12 says this as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving then the writer said beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men I can tell you where that heresy comes from called Trinitarianism. I can tell you where that damnable doctrine comes from. It is a lie from hell. It is philosophy. It is vain deceit. And it is the tradition of men. The writer goes on to say in verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is head of the principality and power in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now I don't want to rush past this. It says in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. You understand that when God establishes a new people in the Abrahamic covenant, part of what happened is there was a cutting away of the flesh, the circumcision made with hands. And if you were going to be a part of the Abrahamic covenant, 
you had to be circumcised or else you were cut out from the lineage of Christ. But Galatians chapter 2 tells us that when we are in Christ, that we are a part of Abraham's seed. But we no longer have to be circumcised in the flesh. But this scripture says that it is the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh the same way they put off the flesh through circumcision we put off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ how many of you want to be a part of Abraham's seed how many of you want to be Christ's come on I got half the church what about the rest of you how many of you want to be counted as one of God's people then you've got to be circumcised by the circumcision of Christ made without hands. Well, what is that? I'm glad you asked because if you keep reading, he tells us in verse number 12, here's what it is. You are buried with him in baptism. Am I in the right church? That's the circumcision made without hands. We are buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. There's only one way to be a part of the body of Christ. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your It's a 4th of July weekend. We ain't got nowhere to go anyway today. Acts, that's why Acts 4 and 12 tells us that neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other way to be saved. Titles won't save you. Signing a church roster won't save you. Attending church by itself won't save you. Four generations of your family being in a church will not save you. If you're going to be saved and you're going to make it to heaven, you've got to be born into the kingdom of When they lined up, Abraham said, I don't care who your cousin is, who your mama is. I don't care if you can quote the Pentateuch. I don't care how many of the Sabbaths you've kept perfectly. If you don't get circumcised, you will not be a part. And I don't care what your background is. If you're going to make it to heaven, baby, there's not going to be anybody in heaven who was not baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I felt like I hit a stump right there. There are no back doors into heaven. There's no side door into heaven. There's no doggy doors into heaven. There's no skylights into heaven. The ark had one door. My Bible tells me eight souls were saved by water. 
hallelujah, whereunto the like figure, whereunto baptism doth also now save us. That's the word of the Lord. There was only one door in that ark. And if you're going to make it to heaven, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. You ain't going to sneak into heaven. If you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to walk through the front door of the gospel message. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. And few be there that find it. But broad is the path that leadeth to destruction. And many there are that go therein at. There's only one way to make it to heaven. And that is the gospel message. I don't have time to preach all of this. It's 102 if you're on medicine. Right now, I'm just letting you know. And you're supposed to take it at one. You're two minutes late. Take your medicine and hurry back. That's why Acts 2.38 says, when they were pricked in their heart, and they said, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. brings me back full circle to my text this morning. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. There's power in that name. Not only is there power unto salvation, but there's power of attorney in that name. That ought to make you excited as a child of God. That's why Colossians 3.17 said, Whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. There's power in that name. I just feel like preaching this to somebody this morning. That's why you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I don't care how you were baptized before. There's only one method of baptism according to Scripture. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one other Scripture in the Bible that people get hung up on. And that's Matthew 28, 19. What does Matthew 28, 19 says? Go ye therefore. Uh-huh. Teach all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, does it really matter? I declare unto you that it does. If you didn't catch it by now that he has a whole lot of titles 
Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are just three of many titles. They describe the salvation action of God. He was the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. They're just titles. But a title has no authority without a name. If I write you a check and I put bishop on the line, that bank's going to laugh at you. It has to have my name. Bishop, pastor, daddy, father, friend, cousin, musician, none of those things have authority. And so if you were baptized and the preacher said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All he did was threaten you because he never said the name. He threatened to baptize you in the name, but he never said it. You just got wet. I'll tell you what they did in the book of Acts, Brother Donnelly. Acts chapter 19, when they found disciples, these were people who loved Jesus. They followed him. They believed his word. And they said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They thought, oh, well, if you don't know about the Holy Ghost, then I got another question. How then were you baptized? It was that important. Let's not go to anywhere else. Let's not talk about nothing else, Brother Desmond. I want to know how you were baptized. They said, we were baptized under John's baptism. They said, that's a good start. John truly baptized under repentance. But you read your Bible, the Bible says they begin to preach to them Jesus. And when he got done, guess what they did? They were baptized again. Being rebaptized is biblical. They said, my God, we got to get baptized again in the only saving name. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And when they were baptized, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Some people would try to debate that, that somehow Matthew 28, 19 proves a triune God. Well, you must have slept through English in the eighth grade. Because if you were to do what they did in English class for the Ephraim, they would diagram the sentence. Anybody ever diagrammed a sentence? And if you diagram the sentence... Then you have to identify the subject and the nouns and, you know, pronoun, all that stuff. You got to break it all down. Well, if you were to diagram the sentence of Matthew 28, 19, you would understand that the subject here is the name. Baptizing them in the name. That becomes the subject. And if you have, I wish I could do it this morning. I'd draw a little di diagram. Off of that first part of the diagram, you would have to cut off a little branch and, and this particular sentence contains three prepositional phrases. Anytime you see the word of, it is a preposition, and it is followed by what they call a prepositional phrase. A prepositional phrase never contains the subject. It only acts as an adjective or an adverb to describe the subject. Therefore, the prepositional phrase of the Father cannot contain a subject. Father is not a subject. It is an adjective. 
of the Holy Ghost is a prepositional phrase. It does not contain the subject. Of the Holy Ghost is not, does not contain the subject. It is a prepositional phrase. What is he doing? I want to make sure that you have the correct name. So I'm going to use a prepositional phrase to bring clarity so that you don't get the wrong name. Baptize them in the name. What name? The name that belongs to the Father. Hebrews says he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name. Which name? The name that belongs to the Son. Which name? The name that belongs to the Holy Ghost. Jesus said he shall send the comforter in my name. So when you break down the diagram, you understand that Matthew 28, 19, he is saying to baptize them in the name, singular, the name that belongs to the Father, the name that belongs to the Son, the name that belongs to the Holy Ghost. Peter understood it well. So when they asked, what shall we do? He said, you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. Am I in the right church this morning? we shout this morning how much we run the aisles this morning if somebody in this building doesn't obey the gospel message God didn't bring you in here just to enjoy the, the awesome choir singing God didn't bring you in here just because there's some nice people in the building uh, and it's a friendly church God didn't bring you here just because it takes less than 10 minutes for you to drive here from your house. You didn't come here just because your aunt invited you here. But you came here because God wanted you to hear the word of the Lord. That in order to make it to heaven, you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, am I in the right church? And you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16. I don't have time to preach all this. He said, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 1 and 8 says, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I tell you what God wants to do right now. There is some power in this house. There is a power of transformation that is in this building. I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you need from God. But I came to preach to you that there is power in this house. That his name is in this building. And right now, before you leave this place, God can deliver you. God can set you free. God can bring you out. God can, can I get a witness in the building? God is ready. 
Come on, I need some people with faith right now uh, to step out of your seat uh, and run down to this altar. Uh, I need some people right now to jump out of your pew uh, and run down to this altar uh, and begin to lift your hands uh, and call uh, on the name of Jesus. Uh, and lift, come on, uh, I don't know what you need from God, uh, but somebody needs to run to this altar right now uh, and lift your voice uh, and begin to call on that name. Uh, when you call on that name, uh, all of heaven is listening. Uh, when you call on that name, uh, all of hell has to stand to attention. Come on. Uh, come on, lift up your hands. Uh, come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Somebody begin to call on that name. Somebody begin to call on that name. Somebody begin to call on that name. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody lift your voice. Come on. Don't just think about it. Somebody lift your voice and begin to declare his name. Jesus. 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 I declare the name of Jesus over depression. I declare the name of Jesus over fear. I declare the name of Jesus over suicide. I declare the name of Jesus over darkness. Come on. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. I need some saints of God that know how to pray right now. I need some saints of God that know how to call on the name of Jesus. Listen, we're not going to just stand here and clap our hands as they sing this morning. I need some saints of God to get anointed in this building. There are people all over this altar that need a breakthrough right now. I need some people to pray with authority. I need some saints of God to find somebody right now and begin to declare the name of Jesus right now. Come on. It's time to take authority. It's time to take authority. We break through and we go. We go.
Jesus. Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, saint of God. Find somebody to pray with. Come on, saint of God. Jesus. 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 Jesus.